Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Craig, you said something last week about ideas, and ideas are not toys that we play with. They have power. They have impact. Um, Let me give an example of that. There was a man sitting in the, I think it was either the British Museum or the British Library uh, in the early part of the last century forming ideas about economics. And what's interesting is that he was in London at the time (laughs) in a free society uh, in a rather affluent society, writing a uh, proposition for the Communist Party. His name was Karl Marx. And his ideas were not idle toys. His ideas actually ended up framing the worldview of nations and certainly of the leaders of nations. And those particular set of ideas, whatever else you might think about them, uh, are without question in terms of human life the most costly ideas that have ever been put forward in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean you have to at least accept the tally count of history that um, the cost of human life Mm -hmm. at the hands of communist idea holders has been far, far, far greater than any other government or ideological system. And so ideas matter. The ideas that we hold have enormous consequences. So welcome back. This is John Eldridge and uh, Craig McConnell, and we're uh, carrying on uh, with a series. We are carrying on, uh, Uh but we are going forward with a series on uh, how did Jesus look at things? And um, a couple of weeks ago, we did uh, pacifism. Then we took a digression last week to just talk about, um, gang, don't don't let guilt by association actually be what's framing your convictions. Um, and we want to come back to what we promised we were going to get on to at the end of the pacifist broadcast, which is how did Jesus look at government? How did Jesus of Nazareth look at government? What's his view on on government, its place in our lives, what it is, what it isn't, what it can do, what it can't do? Does the topic surprise you? Not at all. I mean, we're coming into an election year and the debate is what kind of government do we want or um, what's our feeling about uh, the government we do have. And, uh, um, you know, for a lot of us, that's a very emotional topic that we're invested in. And I mean, this is a passionate season for us as Christian citizens in the U.S. So, yeah. It seems like when we get into this subject, you kind of have two things you have to speak to, you, or perhaps two extremes. You, you have um, Christians who have really just said, look, I'm not interested in that. Um, there are far more important things in the world, frankly, saving the lost, um, spreading the, uh, the message of the, of the salvation available through Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. We, we've got eternal things to be concerned about. Um, you know, that there are more people in slavery in the world right now than there ever have been in the history of this planet, that, you know, 
sexual trafficking. It's just my life is about other things. I'm not interested in the elections, you know. Um, or on the other hand, you get people who are passionately involved in, in the elections. And it almost feels like we have to speak to both, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, just trying to look at Jesus of Nazareth was not a religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke a very common language. He didn't speak the King James English. He didn't speak in red ink. And he didn't speak only to what we would call religious subjects. He wasn't He wasn't simply a devotional figure only concerned about um, our relationship to God. He, he addresses all kinds of things. He addresses money. He addresses marriage and parenting. You know, he... He addresses community issues and he addresses issues of justice, of the bearing of arms, all kinds of things. And and yeah, actually, believe it or not, Jesus of Nazareth has some thoughts about government and it'd be really good to to find out what those are so that they're shaping ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is cutting to, to the quick, too quick, but, um, you know, as we gave some thought to this, John, the the thing that just jumped out at me was Christ standing before Pilate and uh, Pilate just saying to Jesus, you know, hey, look, you don't know who you're talking to. I have the power of life and death over you. And in Christ's response to me is just startling where he said, you would have no authority over me. We're not given to you from above. And here the king of kings, the, our God, the almighty one whose life is on the line is um, recognizing that uh, there's some power and authority given on earth to injust tyrants and so on and so forth. Uh, it just what startles me is Christ acknowledging in some way, even with his own life and death, that there are authorities that God, the sovereign God who is over all, um, that God has given authority to other kind of vice regents or others. And so when it comes to government, um, I find it just astonishing that there's this um, endorsement, if you will, of God in these governments that rule over us and make so many powerful decisions that at times seem unjust, uh, unfair, cruel, so on and so forth. Are you saying that Jesus therefore supports evil governments? What I'm saying is that um, Christ is acknowledging that this ruler has some authority. This ruler who is part of a rebellion of man against God has some authority. Okay. Here's a key analogy. Um, I think the scriptures look at government like they look at marriage. Marriage is ordained by God. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that every marriage is good, mm-hmm. healthy, whole, holy? Of course not. Are there marriages in which um, violence takes place, abuse, all kinds of um, heartbreaking wickedness? Actually, there are. Does that dismiss marriage as an institution? Well, actually, some people want to say that it does, um, but it doesn't. Marriage is ordained by God. Now, marriage is play out for good or for evil depending on their submission to God. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with governments. You you clearly have in scripture the ordination of government as 
as a system of authority on the earth. Yes. It doesn't doesn't mean, therefore, that there's blind obedience to government, nor does it mean that there's blind resistance of government. You know, it, it depends on whether that government is more or less aligned with the values of the God who ordained it. Where I thought you were going with that uh, John 18 passage where Jesus is before Pilate, where Pilate says to him, so I hear you're a king. <laughs> and Jesus says, I am. Yeah. And Pilate says, yeah, you know, prove it. And Jesus says to him, well, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the most important things for Christians to understand is that there is in Scripture a very clear distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't dismiss the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't mean they're unimportant. But Jesus is saying, look, you've got to be really careful where you're placing your expectation and hope. Um, Clearly, as we begin a conversation about how does Jesus look at government, um, you have to acknowledge that the Scripture is filled with kings, kingdoms, governments, realms. Um, the kingdom of God is a government. It has a king. And then there are the kings of the world, uh, various forms of regents, rulers, you know, mayors, governors, <laughs> school principals, and they have authority. And in Romans 13, it's really quite extraordinary. Paul says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, again, it's not saying that God establishes wicked governments. He doesn't establish wicked marriages. He establishes marriage. And then, you know, marriages go good or bad depending on their submission to him. Same with governments, but he does establish it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Okay, so it's important that we sort of begin with, look, this is not a neutral thing. It's an important thing. It's one of the God-ordained functions of the universe. Um, the whole angelic realm works on authority. There's rank mm-hmm. within the angelic realm. Michael is called the great archangel. He's kind of the captain of the guard and that sort of thing. God is called the Lord mm-hmm. of hosts. You know, So you have government clearly, clearly built into the fabric of the universe just like you have marriage built into the fabric of, of family life, ordained by God, and, and then it can go good or it can go ill. So clearly, you've got an, a universe, both a spiritual realm and a physical realm that's you know just filled with government and authority established by God, and therefore it's important, therefore we ought to care about it, therefore it matters, and and therefore, Paul urges that we pray, you know, for the king and, and for those in authority. Um, but in a day and an age like ours, where just as marriages have gone terribly bad in many circumstances and break down to the point of, of absolute failure, you know, we've got to have a kind of a healthy view of um, while the institution of governments established by God, you know, particular governments are um, – good or evil as they align themselves with God. And they too can break down and they too can can begin to malfunction. I think particularly when they begin to try and take on roles that they were not given by God. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're kind of pushing into some issues that we know are going to stir some blood here. I'm going to go for one. In the previous election cycle, four years ago, during the presidential elections, I was shocked at the number of um, 
earnest, and I mean earnest Christian young people, and by young, I'm now including people in their 30s, um, who I know personally who were swept up in the promises of Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was shocked by was simply that words like hope and change were enough to solicit this almost spiritual-like endorsement of his campaign. And I just want to go, wait, 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 pause. One of the things Scripture does make clear, and one of the things Jesus does make clear about government, you have to be very careful what you are looking to as your source of hope and expectation. And when Jesus says, look, my kingdom is not of this world, he's saying there is a distinction here between, you know, what you look to your government to provide you and what you look to me Mm -hmm. to provide you. But wow, I could almost see an indistinction, a whoa, a blurring of lines with words like hope and change and being really, really? Does Jesus believe that government is the place we ought to be looking to for our needs? By way of example, Mm -hmm. does Jesus look at government as the institution that's supposed to be taking care of our social needs, you know, whether that be um, our medical needs or our education needs or um, uh, social services? Right. Exactly. Is that what government's for? In the eyes of Jesus, he's clearly making a distinction when he says, look, my kingdom is not the same as the orders of this world. There's a difference here. But man— you can sure see a blurring of those lines when when people fall in for promises being made. And um, I want to add Luke 13, 31 here at, at the beginning of our conversation when Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem. It's getting towards the end of his life. And, and the Pharisees come to him and warn him, hey, you better get away from Jerusalem. It says that uh, Herod is looking to take your life. And Jesus says, you go tell that fox— that I'm going to do exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. And I'm going to reach Jerusalem when I darn well please. And I just love that phrase, that fox. Clearly, in the eyes of Jesus, there's a difference between what the church and the kingdom of heaven ought to be doing and the kingdoms of this world, right? And then here, in this passage, you have a healthy realism. That fox, right? We have a healthy realism towards politics, politicians, governors, rulers. Again, they're ordained by God. It's very clear that government is an ordained institution, but Jesus has a very healthy view of it. Where I'm going with what you're saying there, John, is, is simply that there are these two kingdoms. Our loyalty is to be to one over the other. And um, the eternal struggle of life on this earth is the issue of uh, spiritual adultery or idolatry of um, something other than God being our uh, primary source of life, hope, joy. I'm just thinking of all the passages of Scripture that just warn us and speak to our tendency to turn to someone or something else for something that our heart's orientation is to be towards God for. And I, I think we're in a time where 
um, as as God has disappeared from our culture as the reference point, as the uh, a source of life, the state has gotten larger. If you're not going to have God, you're going to have to have somebody step in that rules and reigns and directs your conscience, your morality, and your behaviors. And there's the option here of uh, uh, people living, walking in the kingdom of God with him directing our behaviors, our thinking, our relationships, our money. If that disappears, someone has to fill that role. And the state or the government tends to kind of fill that void in terms of directing and holding us accountable. Um, you use the institution of marriage. Governments are kind of like churches too. Governments can be tyrannical. Um, churches can be apostate. There's no comfort apart from God in any other institution in some sense. In governments fail us, churches fail us, just about everything can and does fail us. In fact, I, I think we're almost guaranteed that we live in a world where injustice is inevitable and uh, apostasy and all kinds of things are inevitable. And our only hope of enduring kind of those storms or wading through this stuff or making our way through the messiness of life is the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these other things will be added. Mm. And those other things in Matthew are as, you, as simple as food and clothing and, and the basics we need. And yet, again, you have a number of good-hearted, earnest Christian people who have attached those hopes to the government. Again, for their food, their clothing, their education, their medical care, and friends. Be careful. Is that what God wants you to do? Because, you know, one party in particular is offering a lot of those promises to young people and to the nation that we're going to take care of you. And you want to go, wait, pause. Is that the role mm -hmm. of government in Scripture? Is government given the role of providing social services, almost a church-like role, caring for the needy, caring for the poor, etc.? Is that, is that the role of government in Scripture? And if not, whoa, what happens when you give government that role? I think that's a huge question. Is the more you look to government for uh, services and to address needs, what happens to God? What do we really look to him for? Frankly, it becomes pretty irrelevant to life, day-to-day -day living. Mm -hmm. um, in an election year, just a lot of promises are being made from all sides, okay? And I think the Christian has to have kind of a Luke 13, 31 perspective, um, that fox that we don't look to politics naively. We recognize, look, this has got a role. This is important. Like marriage, it can be healthy and, and good, or it can be downright diabolical or simply broken. Um, but we're obviously going to have a part two in this because how does Jesus look at government? Well, it's ordained. It's important. But also there's, I don't want to call it cynicism, but there's a healthy realism in Christ when he refers to Herod, that fox. So what should we look to government for? What do we hope government can accomplish? 
How much trust do we put in the promises of politicians? All really important questions to be continued. Friends, I hope you're enjoying this series on how did Jesus look at life. We're looking uh, this week and next at how does Jesus look at government. I'm John Eldridge, Greg McConnell with me. Thanks for listening.